Hello and welcome back to another episode of Our Generation on Air. My name is Alex Spinnamore and this week I'm joined by Micah Chudley and Dan Lambert. Uh, guys, an awful week to be a QPR fan, um, but also a pretty good week to be a QPR fan who's starting a protest. So are you guys considering any protests <laughs> at all? No, no, not well, considering Bryson, uh, it's a bit hard to. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm not sure I'll be um, protesting, but, uh, you know, I, I don't want to be the silver lining guy, but I think we've been, we've been in worse situations as a football club, you know what I mean? Although it is getting pretty bad, I'll, I will uh, I'll admit to that. Yeah, uh, so th- there isn't really, <sighs> actually I was going to say that there isn't much to talk about, but it, there is a lot to talk about, but it kind of comes under the same sort of bracket of like just pure disappointment and and pain and misery and stuff like that uh we might hold a brief sort of vigil and prayer session for people that are going to middlesbrough hopefully <laughs> that you know you guys can have a, a decent is there anyone going you can have the lowest away attendance of all time well we you know we established recently i think that 750 is sort of like the average maybe this is a base, different yeah. this is a different one though, isn't it? Because it's bad form and it's at the other end of the country. And I believe there's train, there's train strikes. So yeah. I think a couple of seasons ago we it was even Middlesbrough or Sunderland, we took about 400, 300 on a midweek game. If mm. we matched that, I'd be surprised. Yeah. But as you said a couple of weeks ago, Micah, you know, if the fact if the players get back in from the fans, they're lucky. You know. Yeah. If the player, you know, that opinion, I assume, still stands. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, it's insane because I, I was uh, um, charting away in the League Cup. And I think there was maybe two and a half thousand of us there. I can't remember. But the away end was full. I couldn't even sit down. And to yeah. think like that versus like whatever, if we get triple digits up to Middlesbrough, I'd be impressed. It's, it's insane. Like the the... The turnaround is just like it's like nothing I've ever seen at QPR, and that is saying something. Yeah. Um, now, normally, I guess we would go through the two individual games, look at the teams that were put out, look at their goals individually. But to be honest, I I, I don't really want to have to go back over that too much again. It was a quite a painful experience in the second half against Sunderland and uh, the game against Millwall was equally disappointing. Although, you know, I did leave straight away after the second Millwall goal to try and catch a bit of the rugby, which was much more enjoyable, I have to say. Um, But Dan, let's uh, talk first about Critchley and his kind of performance. So post Middlesbrough, there was a lot of apathy, I guess is the right word to describe it from the average fan. And after only a couple of games, really, you've got majority of the fan base, I'd say, saying let's get Critchley out. So let's start with that question. Should he be sacked? Um, I'm not quite in that camp yet. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've been trying not to think about QPR these last few days. but um, That's great for someone who's I, on a QPR podcast. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> But I don't know. I'm not. I'm not like. I don't think he should go. Like some people, I don't think it's purely his. Like it's all his fault. I think the it was. He said. He said something about tactics the other week or something like that. Mm. Um, it's not about the tactics. Well, I agreed at the time, but 
I think there's been a bit of questionable um, decisions in that sense in the last few weeks. Are you talking, um, are you talking about uh, our new right winger, Sam Field? <laughs> I could, I, I don't know. I could see, I understood why he was there because we were 4-4-2 diamond. And if you're going from a 4-4-2 diamond, you normally go to a 4-4-2. And I think Field was playing like the, the right centre-mid at the time. So I could see the, the sense in that from, from where he was playing. But yeah, that, that it was weird in, in that sense. Um, but the, I think Micah said a few weeks ago about the, Critchley said about uh, he's going to play players to the uh, player system that suits the players. And I don't really think the 4 2 3 1 suits us, but we certainly don't have enough wingers to play kind of the wide positions. Um, but then the players haven't been playing well at the same time. You look at the last 15 minutes against Sunderland, and we couldn't put a challenge in. Um, we weren't tracking players. So I don't think I have my doubts about Critchley, but. At the same time, there's only so much he can do when players are on the pitch and they have to perform. See, that last 15 minutes, that felt like a group of players that are just sort of down tools, to be honest. It kind of got ridiculous because uh, I was going to mention this later on, but like there was a certain point, obviously, you've got field playing right wing for some reason. Uh, Jimmy Dunn did his best sort of Stephen Corker impression. I don't know if you remember this, Micah, where Corker used to sort of like charge up the pitch with the ball and get lost and run down a dead lane. And then yeah. you turn around, oh, and the team's hitting us on the counter, and there's yeah, like they've got the one centre-back. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Our centre-back's in the number 10 position. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, that's not the reason why we lost, but it kind of, it was, it's a, and I know I do sort of, I guess, pick on Dunn a bit more than Dicky. I mean, Dicky was awful as well, but I think it's a kind of encapsulation of that last 15 minutes of how... Any tactics that were there were out the window, so you don't have to worry about that. And any sort of good sense, any you know proper effort of trying to get something out of the game had disappeared. Um, so I'm going to ask you, Micah, a pretty similar question to what I asked Dan, but I'm going to add a few sort of hypothetical things to it. Okay. So if you were, let's say, in the position at QPR where you could sack Critchley and hypothetically for whatever financial reason you just could that you don't have to worry about the finances in this situation you just could sack him would you do it i think i would i've got to be honest with you i'm i'm starting not even starting i think it really rubbed me the wrong way when he said the thing about it's got nothing to do with tactics because even if it has nothing to do with tactics as a manager you're supposed to take responsibility for a loss i mean last night what are we 10 games into Critchley, 11 games into Critchley. I don't I think, even know. I think it might even be slightly more than that. Or, well, more maybe, we won, I don't know. Yeah, we won the first game under it. So essentially, we've got worse since the first game. It's, it's supposed to be the mm. other way round. And, and like you said last night, the players look like they're down tools. I mean, typically when the players down tools... 10, 11, 12 games into a manager's reign. Very, very quickly nice. after that, there's a picture of the corner flag going up on Twitter. That's it. That is it. And I mean, like, I think he's a good coach. I appreciate what he did at Blackpool. I think he clearly is very highly rated because of what he did at Liverpool. Um, but, you know, it's, it's it might be the same thing to be said for Graham Potter at Chelsea, where sometimes, like, it's about the fit. And I hate saying this because I hate the kind of idea at QPR that we need a big chest-beating 
snake oil salesman personality. But I think post Bill, like, you know, the players needed a lift. The players felt clearly that they'd been lied to or hurt, whatever. Um, and I don't know, he just kind of, it just feels like he's just kind of come in and been like, all right, let's carry on then. And it's like, mm. well, you know, yeah, I mean, to be six, I've, the Fleetwood performance was horrendous and that was on the players, but like, and they deserved kind of the the criticism they got from the manager after the game. But it's almost every week he's coming out and it's all oh, the players this and these moments. And I mean, you've got Senny Dian making that mistake last night. Like, Senny is a really good goalkeeper, in my opinion. When When your key players are making mistakes like that, you start to wonder, it's like, how many how many more times can we have a set piece that is either saved first or hits the bar or is blocked and nobody's reacting? Like, I, 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 there, there's a number of reasons for me with Critchley as well. I just think tactically, like, we, we've spent two and a half years nearly now playing with two narrow wingers or two tens or whatever. And wing backs. And it's like he's come in, and I get it, you know, as a manager, when you come into a, a struggling team, the first thing new managers tend to try and do is sort of cut out the goals that they're conceding and, you know, make them a little bit more tight, a little bit more compact. And, you know, fair dues, Preston. I was like, oh, we've got ourselves a good coach here. But it's like our success for two and a half years now. And free, really, if you want to count the first Warburton year, because I thought that was quite a good year, all things considered. Been based on being on the front foot. We we concede a lot of goals. We mm. just score more. And I get it. I get it. You want to sort it out. But it's like, I know we lost five in a row, but we weren't a struggling team. We were sick. We were just on a bit of a blip. And he's like, I don't know. I just think he's... I think he's trying to reinvent the wheel and put his own personality stamp on it. I get it. Taking over a manager that's already been successful. You don't want people saying, oh, it was all the last guy. But it's like, it it just feels a lot simpler than he's making it. It feels a lot simpler than he is making it. And I just think maybe he's not going to get it right. And that's what I'm starting to think. But it's kind of got too late now, isn't it, for that? I mean, if he turns it around, wow, you know, his reputation goes through the roof, rightly or wrongly does but right now surely he can't really want to be hanging sticking it out much longer because if he does you know i feel like on this podcast we're not ones to quickly sort of go to the sort of really dramatic sack the board sack everyone i feel like we try and give the players a chance there is talent there and perhaps sometimes we go a little bit too far with praising certain players or whatnot and we have biases like everyone else but I don't think we, I think we try and get behind the players first. They're kind of like, you know, they're completely, they've completely dropped off here and heading one way. And that's very close to the relegation spots, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's worrying for everyone. Even though there's 10 points, most teams below us have two games in hand, I believe. Yeah. So, you know, obviously that means them winning, but that seems a hell of a lot more likely than us winning because I couldn't tell you where the next one's going to come from. I certainly don't think it's going to be Saturday against Middlesbrough. I can't see it coming Saturday. So, you know, obviously not all the blame's on him, but from his point of view, he can't want to be in this situation much longer. Surely, maybe it's harsh, but he's thinking, 
about like getting getting sacked rather than uh, resigning so he gets his payout and stuff like that. And well, I <laughs> I just say to my dad, he's in a year, he's done about twelve weeks. Let's let's say he does get sacked. In a year, he's done about twelve weeks work, six for Villa, six for us. He's getting compensation of two clubs for the next three and a half years. He's probably done all right for himself. Yeah, but this if it goes on any longer, his de- his reputation's already gonna it's gonna take a, a pretty big uh bit of damage to it. I mean, it's already gonna be a bit of an albatross around its neck. So like, you know, because it is a failure the way where we were. Um, Dan, I noticed you haven't really been able to say much in that sort of uh, interaction there. And this question, I guess, would have had a bit more weight to it had it been that we recorded this podcast yesterday or straight after the game. But do you think he's going to get sacked? And I don't really know, let's say within the next week, to put a time frame on it. Because, uh, you know, openly, will he be sacked? Yeah, probably. But that might be in, like, two years. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, the rumours... In the last like twenty four hours, suggested that he was going to be sacked before Middlesbrough. I can't see that being the case now. Um, I don't know. I suppose I suppose it's how the board view a game on Saturday. I don't think any of us think we're going to win, um, and we could get beat quite badly. So, I suppose it depends how badly we get beat. Um, I suppose with the rumours going around, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets sacked next week. But uh, I, I, yeah, I don't know what they're going to do. To be honest with you. Yeah. Um. So, do you kind of have any frustrations with him in sort of more, a bit more detail? Um. I don't know. Mainly what Mike has said. I mean, I think he could have. Pre- we could probably play a better system that suits the players. Um. But then again, does he really want to take the risk and kind of? I know we we suited that uh the system that Bill played the four three two one. But is he going to take that risk and kind of coach a system that he's never coached before? Um. I suppose that comes into it. But yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not as I'm not as high as everyone is uh, as everyone is about sacking him. Um, I, I give him a bit more time, but yeah, I, I, he's not been he's not been great obviously since since he's coming. It's actually quite a weird feeling for me because you know normally I'd probably get be quite against sacking a manager, apart from like the last couple of you know because if you sack a manager, it's a sign of failure, isn't it? And I didn't yeah. really want. I thought Warburton got a bit of a bum deal. I thought, even though he was utterly bonkers, Holloway was sort of poorly treated. I mean, yeah. he probably should have gone, but the way they went about it and stuff, it was pretty disgusting, to be honest. All that considered, I don't really feel attached to Critchley in any way. So he could stay, and I'd probably get more angry. We can go, and I wouldn't care. Yeah. Like, it, it, I'd only get yeah. more angry in the sense, if he turns it around... Yeah, brilliant. I'm I'm happy because I want QPR to win. And no matter who's at the helm, if Steve McLaren was still our manager right now and we we're in the Premier League, I'd love him. Like everyone would love him. Who cares? Yeah. Like, but I don't know. No, there isn't I, I, really I, much of a question there. Uh, no, but I'm, I'm with you. Like I, I would love him to turn it around. Like I said, I think he's a good coach. I think even with whatever happens with us, I still think he'll have a good reputation in the game. Yeah, I saw someone. I saw someone on Twitter today say, oh, the club's too big for him. One, Blackpool aren't really a small club. They were just in League One. Two, the guy worked at Liverpool. It, it, mm. You know, doesn't get much bigger than that. I don't think he's overawed by the size of our 18,000-seater stadium in West London. It's, it's, it's more like, you know, 
is this is this the right fit? The players are down there. Again, I don't want to do the whole motivator type thing, but it's like part of his job is to get the players going. Like this, people keep going on about it's a unique situation. It is because he's three months into the season. But is it a really harder situation than Luton losing Nathan Jones, who's been at the club a couple of years, twice? Like, that's his team. That's his players. Those guys clearly would run for a brick wall for him. You know, he goes to Southampton. They bring in Rob Edwards. They haven't really skipped a beat, you know? I don't, I don't think Rob Edwards doesn't come across to me as like a, you know whatever Sam Allardyce screaming in players' faces type guy, but he clearly knows how to get pick players up and get them going. Yeah, I mean, I don't buy this kind of... any. Well, I don't buy it anymore. It, it, it's a big... This is If Critchie can't sort of motivate players past this, then I, I don't know. I won't comment on necessarily what that means to him, but like, if the players have still got a hangover, that's any of the players, not just the ones that are clearly here for Beal, like Irabunum and Laird and at all. If the whole squad are sort of down in tools because Bill's left, well, I'm sorry, but grow the fuck up. You're a footballer. Like, like this is this happens. Like, you've got to just get on with it. Otherwise, you're wasting... Like, we've talked about this recently with specific players, but otherwise, you're just wasting, uh, you know, a year of your career, a really short career, where you could have you could have been seen in QPR fans' eyes as not legends, but seen very favorably forever if you'd got us even into the playoffs, let alone actually winning it. But now, any good work that anyone's done, that's going to be tainted by this season and to a certain extent, the end of last season as well. But like, you know, now, you know, everyone was singing Led's praises at the beginning of the season because he's playing really well. Now he looks like a different player. It's the same with Dickey and Dunn and Johansson, Field. There's no one out there playing well at the moment. Like, but that, doesn't that doesn't that make you think maybe it's not just Bill then? Because Field's been at QPR Warburton, Chairs had three, four different managers yeah. technically at QPR. Oh, I definitely think there's a culture that sort of like manifests itself in QPR players somehow. And <clears throat> I don't know where that comes from. I guess critics of the director of football and board would say it comes from there. That's obviously like you know something that's coming down from them. But I don't know. Like it's. I think we've said it for quite a while. There's an absence of actual leaders in that team, you know, proper yeah. leaders. There's, and it doesn't. You don't necessarily have to be, in my eyes, a really grizzled old Clint Hill to be a leader. You can just have those characteristics about you. And wherever those players are, we do not seem to find them. There, see, there does not seem to be a nice little analytics tool that we can do to find them. Because. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And it's incredibly frustrating. But let's have a look at the games in a little bit more. De- Actually, sorry, no. Before we do that, uh, theoretically, if he was to get sacked next week, who would you guys be looking at? Dan, you could have first dibs on this. I'm going to give you some names here, and you can choose to answer and say yes to any of them. Or you can, just, you know, uh, Gareth Ainsworth, Chris Wilder, Nathan Jones. Marty Sifuentes, I think his name was. <laughs> that, was that the one? That was the one that was linked last time, wasn't it? Yeah, that was the one that got yeah. you two very excited. <laughs> <laughs> I, I um, saw somebody talk. Oh, sorry, Dan. I think no, that's right. You got you go on, go on. No, I, I saw somebody saying that um, it was a QPR fan in Sweden. I saw somebody saying that that was actually closer than people thought. We just yeah. didn't want to pay the compensation fee. 
Yeah, the thing that I saw was that Les wanted him more than Critchley, but the board wouldn't pay 700k to uh, pay the sort of um, release clause in the contract. Mm. Well, I'm going to have to pay out Critchley if they are second. <laughs> I mean, obviously, now with high, with 2020 hindsight and massive distance between that and then. So Fuentes was clearly like the next part Pep Guardiola and would have changed this. We'd be winning the league by now and we'd be taking over Burnley. But <laughs> uh, go on, Dan. Yeah. Any of any of those names sort of make um, get it well, get I, it going I, for I you? Obviously, I obviously like Nathan Jones, but I can't see him coming. Uh, You've got to clarify that, man. You've got to clarify that with you like Nathan Jones as a manager, not as a person. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. It, firstly, I don't think he suits the profile he was to come in. Of the squad, um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't think we'll, we'll, we'll get. Him. I don't really know if we will get. To be honest with you, I, I haven't really thought past that. But um, what the likes of the ones you mentioned leave, but well, obviously Jones isn't in the job, but the others leave their jobs come here. I can't really see that happening. Is Chris Wilder um, in a job? Oh no, no, sorry, not not Wilder, but uh, Ainsworth and is it Sifuentes. Um, do you think Ainsworth me, would? If, do you think if I feel like if Ainsworth was offered the job, he'd probably jump at the chance? Do you think I'm not? No, I'm not, not sure. Now. Not now. They're I not. Think they're quite. Smart they don't think so. That, that's you don't think so. No, I don't think he'd come near it. <laughs> really, and that'd be wow. a very wise decision because he gets a lot of credit for what he does at Wickham. I'll just stay there. Just stay there until someone oh, wow. comes in for him. Wickham, and he has the time. And he has the time. Yeah, he's not. I wouldn't want. I've never wanted him to come back because I don't want him to ruin his reputation. I'd yeah. like him just to remain a player and be a very good player. He scored those amazing goals that, that I was too young to remember. <laughs> yeah. But I remember yeah. his celebration and the long hair and remember and really baggy binatone shirts. And I, you know... Is it the goal against Rotherham where he was like yeah. 45? He's hit it first time on the volley. God, so God. They are golden memories. I don't need his reputation tarnished in any way, please. <laughs> this is not... This is a situation too difficult. Even You, you know, know what? what? Even if we were top of the league, one game to play, and we were like ten points clear, still wouldn't win him because I know that we it, somehow we would tarnish it. I feel like they're going to pull that lever sooner rather than later. I can't lie. Yeah, the I nostalgia think... really does pull it through, doesn't it? Well, look, you, you look at the amount of discontent. Like, I don't know if you've seen that tweet about the tickets for Robber Robberham and all of them. Oh yeah, like... yeah, it was like it was like Southampton with Jones out, like the whole yeah. yeah. I think that I mean they 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 they've done it before when they brought Ollie back. And I, it wouldn't surprise. But I, I mean, outside of style of play, I suppose he does technically like tick some boxes in terms of working with low budget. And I saw someone make a good point. Developing young players. Well, yeah, there we go. So I saw someone make a good point that we we sent Eze there, didn't we? Um, and uh, Mimetti, they just sold to Bristol City. Oh yeah, of course, yeah. So. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it was a happen because I know he's close. I know he's close with Amit. He plays golf with Amit, so I mean, uh, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if we'd done like Chris Ramsey interim till the end of the season, and then Ainsworth in the summer. It wouldn't it wouldn't be out of the realms of possibility. I don't think. Mm. I, I I don't know why you. I don't know why anyone would know. actually want to do this job. At this point, it's a team in free fall. You'd have to have a pretty big ego, <laughs> Nathan Jones, um, to think you could turn yeah. this around. Like, I, mean, I don't fair, think it's a lost cause, though. 
I don't think it's a lost cause. I think the playoffs have gone. I know we're still within quote unquote touching distance, and it's the quote unquote best league in the world. Anything can happen. But I think the playoffs, <laughs> I think the playoffs have done. But I don't think I think the job now to the end of the season is like right. Let's make chair as valuable as possible. Let's make Willock as valuable as possible. Let's make Dieng as valuable as possible. Let's see if we can find like Rob Dickey's talent and give it back to him. I don't I I I don't think it's like beyond the realms of possibility, you know. I, I think it's a very fixable thing. You just get players back playing their best positions, really. Yeah. Um is there anything from the two games that we have <clears throat> suffered through recently that you guys wanted to bring up? Anything particular that really hacked you off? Anyone that may have played a little bit better than they were getting sort of slated for? Um, uh, Chris Martin was all right when he came on at Mill. Um, didn't really get much service uh, against Sunderland. Um, the only the only other thing I probably added the Sunderland game. I was listening to Mowbray's post match, and he was quite clear how they wanted to to beat us. Um, they kind of exploited us in behind. Do you remember that girl heart chart chance? Anyone that watched it, the one where the one where he was in long ball over the top of Dunn, and then um. And he was in oh, a goal. Yeah. That's how they. So and then he said we were weak in transition, and uh, our centre backs aren't mobile enough, which is both good valid points. And obviously they scored uh, two two goals from counter attacks, and then obviously the one from a set piece. So um, yeah, that was quite interesting from that point of view. But that's what I've got to say really on those two games. One thing I'm going to go out on a limb and say, and I mentioned this in the group chat at the time. I thought in the first half, and I will clarify what I mean by this. But I thought in the first half against Sunderland, and to a certain extent, when he, I can't remember if he started or he came off the bench or whatever, but for some parts of the game against Millwall, I was actually kind of uh, impressed a little bit by the way that Andre Lazelle played. And I, I think it's in comparison to what we've had previously from him and in comparison to everyone else on the pitch at the time, in that it probably wasn't actually that good. But, you know, when you put something that is sort of, mildly attractive right next to something that's really freaking ugly like <laughs> the mildly attractive thing becomes a lot more attractive so I thought he was alright no I, I thought he was alright against Millwall and I think it's passing in the first half against Sunderland he was taking a few more risks he was passing the ball further it wasn't just sort of like pass the guy that's right next to him it felt like he had a bit more license to do stuff in the second half though obviously you know performances dipped and he found himself a few times in between Dunn and Dickey receiving the ball there and then you know <clears throat> Iribunum's sort of like playing central midfield by himself because Field's playing right wing <laughs> and there was no one there for him to then pass the ball to because it was very easy to mark Iribunum out of the game and chair was out and wide and there was the, it, you know I, I didn't understand why he was doing that there may be a reason, but it didn't really work in the moment. But I thought there was the most the annoying thing about it is that there was signs that yeah, that's the player that they signed, you know? Mm. Someone who can get his head up and make those uh killer passes. And it didn't quite come off, but I thought that was in a real overall poor performance, that was probably the one sort of little shining light through for me. But I don't know. Yeah, no, no I, I agree. He's he's kind of been made the scapegoat, and it's rich for me to say because I had a go at him at the pod the other week. 
I think what 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 tends to happen when you get your sort of like perceptions, everything is QPR as we know. Like we we made Jimmy Dunn the next Alan McDonald after about six games. Do you know what I mean? And and last season, you know, when things weren't going well, it was because Stefan Johansson didn't care about QPR and he was fired. Perceptions everything, you know, and typically at QPR, when we're doing badly, it's the the technical, tidy players that get accused of not really trying. <clears throat> Um, but I, I thought, you know, he was all right against Millwall. Yeah, it was, it's the closest thing to a positive we've got, I suppose. I thought first half Millwall we were right though. Generally, I thought we were competing well. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think but that's the only the, positive from the few games. The head, heads drop after the first goals in both games. And then after that, it's the, there's only one result, really, that's not going to go any other way. Um, yeah. Dan, any? Uh, I'll give you the final word on all this. You've, there's uh, only five minutes left in this Zoom call. Um, anything else that you feel like needs to be said about performances or managerial situations? Anything to do with QPR, really? Uh, not really. Not really. To be honest, we've covered most of it. There's not been many positives from the games the last two. The last two games. Um, just trying to think. I thought it was the only. The only thing I could say is I thought it was quite interesting how. It was only the Millwall game. It only took us until the last 15 minutes of the game to actually um, hit crosses into to Chris Martin and actually look a threat. Um, I think Sinclair Armstrong played all right first half. Um, then he made some... Then he handballed oh. something. Oh, I mean, yeah. mentioned this. <laughs> yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> it was so long ago. But go on, Dan, oh, carry on. Yeah, it was all down my end behind the goal. So he did that, obviously. And then... Um, it's a great yeah, save by the keeper, by the way, because he's going <laughs> in the top corner. And uh, then Chris Willett comes on and pulls his hand straight, doesn't he, five minutes. Um, so, yeah, that little period just didn't go well for us at all. Uh, that sums up how we are. That Sinclair Armstrong performance was the most confusing thing ever because for, like, the first 20 minutes or so, he was absolutely monstering them. Like, they didn't really have an answer. And if he was a little bit more aware, he would have scored goals. And we would have a real sort of player on our hands. It feels like we've been saying that all season. But yeah, we have, we have. And Mike made a good point last week about the loans. Um, he should be out on loan right now. Um, but at least he got players going out on a work experience loan, haven't we, Micah? Oh my god! Sorry, that wound me up. <laughs> <laughs> I played. Well, I played well from Abbey reserves in a um, friendly uh, this summer. So I was shocked to see that we're sending our young players. There. No disrespect to uh, Waltham Abbey at all. Yeah, it's a point point uh, very well made in, I think, an episode two weeks ago. So, you know, go check it out. Uh, so we're going to call it a day here because there's nothing really else to say apart from the fact that we're crap. Um, so thank you very much for listening. Uh, we're all on Twitter and you can follow us and find us on there. Uh, you can also follow our generational net on Twitter. Um, does anyone we don't have a home game this week so there won't be any program columns um yeah let's just hope it all gets better but um i i advise you know maybe not watching the game on saturday if you're not going to it do something else go to a garden center have a cup of tea <laughs> look at some beautiful scenery and be in some tranquility rather than listen yeah. to QPR getting turn actually shamozzled sorry Turn your phone off until five o'clock. Yeah, turn your phone off.
that's do something else forget about football uh yeah so thank you very much for listening until next time when you guys